Welcome to episode 46 of Spurbs Herbs. Today we're going to be talking about a very interesting formula. Fong Fong Tong Shung San. Or Sapashnikovia powder that sagely unblocks. I love this word, Sapashnikovia. When I was in school, it was Lita Berriola, um, but it has changed to the herb Sapashnikovia, which to me sounds like one of the countries in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, so I love the name of it, but there we go. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Fangfeng Tong Sheng San, or Sapashnikovia powder that sagely unblocks. In this episode, we'll be looking at this formula. It's not a formula I commonly use, which makes me all the more eager to find out about it. And as usual, we'll be exploring something a little different. We will be continuing our exploration of historical doctors, uh, going back to the West and a look at Andreas Vesalius, one of the super important doctors. We're going to see why. Please keep listening or you'll miss out on really interesting herb knowledge. That's a threat. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, all right. Well, before we get into it, I just want to talk to you about a humongous deal we have for you today. Uh, we have spent years. I mean, this has been probably 10 years in the making preparing our How to Understand Drugs as an Herbalist series. And it is finally complete. And we are celebrating. Celebrating with the biggest deal we have ever offered. You get our complete 45-hour course with continuing education units and a lovely firmable certificate of completion for half off. We already have low prices on our CEUs. This is now half off at $7.50 a CEU. But we are including so much more. We'll throw in a signed copy of my book, Integrative Pharmacology, Combining Modern Pharmacology with Integrative Medicine. Plus, you will get an additional two-hour course, I think one of our most important courses, Interpreting Chinese Medical Research for Free. And that's not all. We will give not one, but two hours more of any course you want. This is 49 hours of courses and continuing education, a free signed book, a lovely certificate. That is a value of $809.95 worth of amazing products that'll help you in your practice for only $337.50. Just go to www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org slash megadeal. That's M-E-G-A-D-E-A-L, megadeal. And that's Integrative Medicine Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L.org slash megadeal. Get your discount right now. But please hurry. This is a limited time offer. We are going to start you know, start tapering off on it. So get it soon. Thank you. All right, so let's get into today. Um, we, as we've been saying, I, we've been talking about famous doctors of the world. It's been a couple of episodes since we, we did this. Our last uh, historical doctor was the famous Ayurvedic physician Shushruta. So uh, we've been dying around. We've, we've looked at Arabic and we've looked at Greek and uh, we've looked at Roman. Uh, so uh, we've been dying quite a bit. Uh, many episodes ago, we discussed the extreme importance of Galen to Western medicine, Galen of Pergamon, and he lived in the second century CE. And so his influence, as we discussed, was absolutely massive. And with that influence, not a lot of medical advancement happened in the West through the Dark Ages and until the dawn of the Renaissance. Basically, when anyone would question anything about medicine and anatomy uh, and they want to do experiments, people would go like, well, why are you questioning it? Galen did it. You know, Galen was brilliant. He really was brilliant doctor, fantastic stuff that he did. But, you know, he was so good at what he did, no one questioned him. And there was a lot to question. You got a lot wrong. You got a lot right, but you got a lot wrong. And no one was questioned. So for, for, for almost 1,400 years, there wasn't a huge amount of advancement. Now, we're starting to look at the Dark Ages a little differently. We are starting to see that there is more advancement than we than we thought looking back. But still, uh, Galen was the person for pretty much 1,400, 1,500 years. And it wasn't until the Renaissance when we started questioning things. 
that things started to change. And that, of course, started in the 1600s. Uh, so, yeah, unbelievable. Gillian was amazing. And, and today, we're going to talk about Andreas Vesalius. And breaking the reliance of Galen is often attributed to, to one man, Andreas Vesalius. He was amazing. And of course, as with a lot of the aspects of the, of the Renaissance period, the printing press also made the wide distribution of his new ideas possible. So, you know, part of why the Renaissance was the Renaissance was not only this sort of breaking away and questioning of dogma that had been there through the Dark Ages, through the, um, you know, the, the, uh, in the, and we're talking in the West, in, in Europe mostly, in this, in this uh, idea of you know the the Catholic Church being omnipotent and and controlling all sorts of aspects. So during the Renaissance, we also had the whole Lutheran movement, where we have the Protestant movement. So a lot's happening during the Renaissance. A lot of questioning of the old ways that is happening, and that happened in science, and in this case, it happened in anatomy. If you're talking about medicine, it's really hard to do medicine well if you don't have good anatomy. So the anatomy is sort of foundational, and so. Andreas Vesalius was in the 16th century, and he established the importance of scientific detachment, which <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to say, you know, Galen said he was about scientific uh, detachment and philosophically was in line with a lot of what the scientific method was, but then practically in how he approached things, not the case. He, was, he had ideas, and he, his, his science proved those ideas, whether or not they were correct or not. Um, so Vesalius kind of re-examined this, looked at scientific detachment, finally overcame Galen's incorrect theories, and, and created an accurate anatomical guide called uh, De Humani Corporis Fabrica, or in English, this is all Latin, but in English, of the structure of the human body. So this is to counterbalance Galen's, Galen's big anatomy book. Now, you have to understand, before Andreas uh, Vesalius, there were... Uh, there, there, there were. Uh, um, uh, um, oh God! I, as I get older, just simple words um, break through dissections. There we go. I've caught on my gnome. Um, there were dissections happening on on people, animals, things along those lines. But people usually, it was like the final insult for a criminal who was hanged. Then you would also be dissected at the at the medical school. But what was very interesting about how they would do this before Vesalius is there would be the professor, the learned professor who knew what he was doing, and he would just be reading out of Galen's book, just straight out of Galen's book. He's not even looking at the dissection going on. Meanwhile, there's some low-level, usually barbers. Uh, that's how barbers, in the, in the, back in the day, barbers were actually kind of the common surgeons around, and um, not much training. But that's in, and they did a lot of superficial surgeries and things like that. But they're down there, fairly lowly. I mean, when I say down there, I mean that literally. Like the professor was up on a dais uh, above everything, and then down below was the the barbers doing the dissection with a whole bunch of of medical students around. And basically, he was the professor was reading out of Galen. The barbers are doing whatever they can with the dissection uh, to try and keep up. And basically, there was no connection between what was happening, what Galen was saying, what was being read, and what the dissection was actually doing. You know, the, the barbers are holding up what they think is going on, and um, if something wasn't exactly what Galen said, they just kind of skipped over that. So, yeah, this is all right, and put it away. Um, so there wasn't a lot of questioning. It was all very much dogma. And then, so what Vesalius did is he came in, he did actual dissections, and here, let's, let's go to the next... Uh, I, and and he, he did pictures, and, and that was amazing. And then on top of that, let's talk about several things this book did. So first, it finally questioned and supplanted the dogma around Galen's anatomical theories. He had some, some stuff like the Reit Mirabilitis that um, was a little structure. It was a helical structure, uh, and, and it was uh, designed to do something with the pneuma. Uh, well, first of all, there's no pneuma in... Western medicine, or really um, any medicine, uh, I mean, you might be able to make a few uh, adjustments to say maybe some ancient Greek medicine, whatever. So pneuma didn't exist. This remirabilitum was designed to kind of mix the pneuma and the blood, and no one ever found it, but no one ever 
dismissed it. This is something Galen said ha- was there in the anatomy, and people would fake it and say, yeah, there it is, and they're no, they don't know what they were talking about. So that's just an example of this dogma that was around Galen's anatomical theories. It also, um, uh, the, the Vesalius' book established true scientific detachment was a precursor to the scientific method. So the scientific method is being developed throughout the Renaissance period. And finally, it showed, well, I'm sure there's others, but uh, what we're talking about, it showed the importance of the printing press and was widely distributed. So not only did it have these absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous pictures that we're going to talk about in just a minute, but they actually, uh, it was widely distributed, widely being, you know, a, a relative thing. I mean, given before where it, books had to be handmade, each one of them, um, for the most part. Now we have the printing press and there's, you know, a thousand being made. That's still not many in, in the wider European thing, but they're, you know, major medical schools would have it where they wouldn't have it before. It was so really uh, relatively widely distributed. I know some of you listening can't see. I have a picture up um, here that is of the cover of of uh, the book, uh, and it it actually depicts. It's it's hard to see even if you do have the picture, but it actually depicts this just absolutely chaotic dissection scene that is going on, and people are just everywhere. I mean, there's probably seventy five hundred people in this picture, all trying to see what's happening with the the dissection. So it's a it's an interesting cover to this book. All right. So again, besides all of this, it was absolutely gorgeous with pictures that are still relevant and well known to a modern audience. You've seen these pictures before. You may not have recognized them as from this book, but they're they're out there. They're in the popular thing. So the the picture I have up here is um, the muscle man is 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 often how it's uh, phrased, and it's just. It's a man. It's it's a it's a man. It is man um, with their muscles, the superficial muscles being shown, and uh, just standing there. You've seen this picture. I I, I know you have, um, but it, and it is super famous. It's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. So gr- current thinking is that Vesalius drew the initial sketches with an unknown artist creating the wood carvings for the printing. Now there is another theory. And this is the one that I, I heard first was that it was a famous student of Titian, who was, of course, a very famous, very famous artist, um, Jan Stephen von Kalkar, who did the sketches. However, this is probably not true, though he is thought to have done the artwork for Vesalius' first anatomy book. Um, So, you know, there's definitely a connection there, but uh, it's, uh, you know, this is high-level art. I mean, like, historical artwork that was in and to this day. So this was a very, very short introduction to this historically very important physician. I find the interface between the Dark Ages and the start of the Renaissance completely fascinating. As someone who, um, you know, I I struggle to understand the the pull of, of deep religious thought um, I just I think it's super fascinating to 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 read about it and to see the influence that this had on society. Uh, and 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 as I mentioned, even as new historical evidence is showing the Dark Ages were not quite as dark as historians had thought, the advent of the printing press as an utterly transformative technology is compelling, with modern implications. I mean, we're on as I'm speaking today, uh, AI is the is the uh, talk of the moment and yeah we've had a lot of these talks of the moments you know virtual reality which i don't think there was a lot of people who thought that was going to be the, the next hugest biggest thing and of course uh, mark zuckerberg is zuckerberg is looking like uh, not being a, a much of a prophet uh when that's happening it's just it's not it's going to be interesting but it's never virtual reality is, i don't personally i have it and i've used it and i think it's fascinating don't think it's transformative in any way, shape, or form. Maybe augmented reality might do that. But AI, they're saying, is going to take human thought to another level, potentially. Um, we're at very, very early stages. It doesn't look super promising right now with uh, Chad GBT. But this is just one. I mean, just think of the, in our lifetime, we've had the internet, which has completely transformed 
with good and bad. There's a lot of technologies. I mean, same with the printing press. There's some badness with that. But we are having some really interesting transformative technology. And the printing press was the transform the transformative technology probably for hundreds of years. I mean, that was huge. And and I think we're we're seeing several of them happening in our in our world right now. So I just I love that sort of looking back into history and looking to the present and seeing. Uh, some of the parallels, and we see that here with the printing press, Andreas Vesalius being one of the first in terms of science to really utilize that. And so I, it, the bottom line is Andreas Vesalius was one of the pioneers of all of this. He was, he was amazing. So a short introduction, but uh, I think a very fascinating, fascinating doctor. All right, well, let's get into today's formula. So... We are talking about Fang Feng Tang Sheng San, as translated as Sapashnikovia powder that sagely unblocks. This is where it gets its name. This formula induces sweat, sweating without injuring the exterior and purges without injuring the interior. Its ability to unblock it is sage-like in its subtlety, hence the name. Well, I, you know, it's it's a very that's a very interesting introduction. That's from from Scheid, who's one of our major sources. Scheid and his team. Um, I, I I wouldn't say it is a subtle unblocking. It uses two of the strongest unblockers we have, but it's still a really interesting formula. So other names for this include sagely unblocking powder or Tongsheng San, Fangfeng Tongsheng San. So that's a T U N G rather than T O N G. Siler sage inspired sage inspired formula. So Siler is a common name for Sapashnikovia. So Siler sage inspired. So that is the sage, you know, the intellectual sage inspired formula. And then Siler and platycodon formula, which is interesting because platycodi uh, is is actually not one of the chief herbs. So it's interesting that it's, it can be called Siler and platycodon uh, formula. But then again, chief herbs uh, have different people different perspectives. Maybe things are chief herbs. So there we go. So this formula is in the subcategory of formulas that release the exterior and purge the interior. So that word purge is really important because we have herbs that are purging herbs. So when we say purge, we mean purge. And that means strong stool-inducing herbs, basically, is what that means. So uh, it's in the subcategory of formulas that release the exterior and purge the interior. And this is under the overarching category of formulas that release exterior interior excess. So that's really the key here is that we have, in, we have excess in both the exterior, which means cold uh, coming on, and, and the interior, which can mean a few things. And we're going to find out what it means in this case here. Chen Chen similar and places it in the subcategory of exterior releasing and interior attacking formulas under the category of exterior and interior releasing formula. So they usually have very similar sort of translations of the, of the category, but they're slightly subtle. So I, I like to bring them up because those subtleties can tell us a lot about the, the original context for these. There you go. So Scheid uh, and, and his team describes this category and subcategory in the following way. So this is a quote from their book. In Externally contracted diseases, so as soon as, I'm going to explain as we go along. So externally contracted diseases usually indicates what we would say is cold or flu or something along those lines. So in externally contracted diseases, there is often a stage, excuse me, <coughs> where the pathogenic influence remains lodged in the exterior, even though it has already penetrated into the interior. Similar problems occur if a person with an interior disorder contracts a new pathogen, which then obstructs the exterior. In each case, the patient will present with a combined exterior-interior disorder. There are three basic treatment strategies for dealing with such problems. Resolve the exterior first and then treat the interior. Dispel the pathogen from the interior first and then treat the exterior or simultaneously treat the interior and exterior. The formulas in this chapter, this category, utilize this third approach. This is most appropriate when the pathogens in the exterior and interior are both relatively strong. In clinical practice, these are often relatively acute disorders 
where both the exterior and interior require urgent attention. So this is relatively serious issues. If the exterior is released without treating the interior, the condition will worsen. If the interior is treated without releasing the exterior, the pathogenic influences cannot be completely eliminated from the body. The formulas in this group are indicated for patterns characterized by the presence of an externally contracted pathogen in the exterior, while excess accumulation obstructs the interior. The term interior here does not generally refer to organs as opposed to the channels, but more often to the bowels associated with yang brightness or yang ming. Yang ming. This is um, the six patterns according to Chinese medicine. So it, this is getting kind of a little bit technical for Chinese medical practitioners, you know, for non-Chinese uh, medical practitioners. But um, so more often the bowels associated with yang ming or yang brightness as opposed to the greater and lesser yang or xiaoyang or, or um, taiyang. Warps. So warps, uh, you know, it's often translated as stages. Shaid um, uses the word warp uh, as, an, as um, I, I believe, in a loom, a warp in a loom. So one of the threads, I, you know, I'm not entirely sure where that word comes from, but it is a, a relatively common word for this. Um, so it's associated with the yang uh, ming as opposed to the greater and lesser yang warps or the exterior of the yang brightness warp itself. So again, fairly technical language there. We're not going to get too much into it. This is because heat excess in the interior is typically a manifestation of a yang brightness pattern. So yang mean, when we get into yang mean, to the six stages, a yang mean pattern, a yang brightness pattern does have heat excess in the interior, especially of the stomach and large intestine in that area. The patterns treated by formulas in this section are characterized by fever and chills, that are accompanied by abdominal fullness, constipation, and a red tongue with a yellow coating. So red tongue with a yellow coating means, means heat. Um, so there's heat going on here interiorly. And the fever and chills, we often see that when there's a battle going on in the exterior. So that's what's happened, why we, we have fever and chills, but also have heat on the inside. Formulas that treat disorders combine herbs that release the exterior, such as cinnamomy ranulus or guajra, that's cinnamon twig, that is not in today's formula. Ephedra herba or ma huang, that is in today's formula. Repluri radix chai hu, uh, not in our formula. Menthe haplocalysis herba or boha, that's field mint, that is in our formula today. Schizonipida herba or jinjay, that's in our formula today, and of course, uh, and Sepashinokovia radix or fang fung, which is one of the chief herbs in the title of our formula today. So that's definitely in today's um, formula. So it combines those release the exterior herbs with herbs that purge accumulation from the interior, such as ray radix et rhizoma or da huang and natrii sulfus mong xiao. And both of those are in today's formula as well. Those purge uh Purging herbs, uh, radix, uh, rhizoma radix, ray radix et rhizoma, excuse me, da huang is rhubarb root, and that's a strong purgative. And natriai uh, sulfus, I believe, is, is Epsom salts, and that's a strong purgative. So these are strongly going to purge stool in our, uh, in our intestines. So there's those. All right, with that as an introduction to the category, let's talk about the specific medical, uh, Chinese medical actions of these formulas, of this formula. Shide and his team says this formula disperses wind, so that's the exterior aspect of it. Whenever we're working with releasing the exterior, um, we often are dealing with wind, so it disperses wind, releases the exterior, drains heat, we said there's a heat condition, and unblocks the bowels. So that's, uh, that's the purging aspect of it. Chen Shen very similarly says it expels wind and releases the exterior and clears interior heat and promotes defecation. So exactly the same, just slightly different words. Uh, some indications for this are interesting. Scheid and his team say this formula can be used for strong fever and chills, lightheadedness, dizziness, red and sore eyes, difficulty in swallowing, nasal congestion with thick and sticky nasal discharge, and saliva a bitter taste in the mouth, dry mouth, vocal distension with a stifling sensation in the chest and diaphragm, constipation, dark, rough urination, 
a yellow greasy tongue coating and a flooding rapid or wiry slippery pulse. So those pulses are traditional Chinese pulses. Uh, a rapid indicates heat. Uh, wiry can, can indicate tightness, you know, things not moving properly. Slippery means there's some dampness going on, which is the same as with the greasy tongue coating. And a flooding pulse means it's ex excess. So we're definitely talking about an excess condition rather than a deficiency condition here. They continue, this is heat excess in both the exterior and interior, either from wind heat invading a person with pre-existing internal accumulation of heat or from an invasion of wind heat that causes the heat to lodge simultaneously in both the exterior and interior. The strong fever and chills are signs of exterior wind heat. Because it, uh, so the strong fever and chills are signs of exterior wind heat. Because it tends to attack the upper parts of the body, wind heat causes dizziness and red sore eyes. It also attacks the lungs and causes difficulty in swallowing and nasal congestion with thick and sticky nasal discharge and saliva. Interior heat accumulating primarily in the lungs and stomach is reflected in the bitter taste in the mouth. So interior heat accumulating primarily in the lungs and stomach is reflected in the bitter taste in the mouth. Dry mouth, focal distension with a stifling sensation in the chest and diaphragm, constipation, dark rough urination, greasy yellow tongue coating, and flooding rapid or wiry slippery pulse. We already kind of talked about a lot of that already as indications. Chen and Chen similarly say it can be used for exterior wind heat syndrome with accumulation of interior heat, severe aversion to cold and high fever, dizziness, vertigo, red and painful eyes, a bitter and dry mouth, throat discomfort or a sore throat, a feeling of distension and stifling sensation in the chest and diaphragm, coughing, dyspnea, which means trouble breathing, thick and sticky nasal discharge and saliva, constipation, dark yellow colored urine or dysuria or trouble urinating. It also treats abscesses, carbuncles, which are uh, sores, uh, carbuncles are like basically a series of abscesses, chengfeng, which is intestinal wind, a Chinese condition, hemorrhoids, erysipelas, erysipelas is a bacterial infection of the skin's outer layers, dermatitis, which is inflammation of the skin, acne, and other conditions characterized by heat and toxins. So you can see a lot of this stuff that we're we're saying here with is involving the skin, the exterior aspects of the body. So the history of this formula uh, is interesting because both Scheid and Scheid's uh, team and Chen and Chen agree on the source, which doesn't often happen. Uh, so the source for this formula is considered the Huangdi Su Wen Xuan Ming Mong Huang, or formulas from the discussion illuminating the Yellow Emperor's basic. Questions by Liu Yuan Su in 1172. So, um, not quite, but getting to a thousand years old at this point. So, let's get into the ingredients. There are a lot of ingredients for this. This is a large formula, 17 ingredients. So, I'm going to go over the, the, the bigger ones in a little bit more depth, and then we'll, we'll kind of take through some of the, the less important ones in the formula that will explain why they're important. So the first one, of course, is the, the herb that the formula is, may, is, is named after. So it's the Passionacovia radix, or Fong Fung. Um, 15 grams is, is uh, usually called for. And in, in this case, I have uh, some, some grams in, in parentheses if you're looking at it. In this case, it's 6 grams. That's what would be used if there were just a straight decoction or boiling of this being made. The 15 grams is actually if you're making a powder, and we'll explain how to take the powder uh, in a little bit. So 15 grams if you're putting it into a powder, 6 grams if you're going to be decocting it. And this herb, Fung Fung, is in the warm acrid herbs that release the exterior, which makes sense. We're releasing the exterior in this case. But it's warm, so interesting, because we're saying there's an internal heat condition. So we'll keep that in mind. So traditionally, this expels wind dampness, alleviates pain, and stops spasms. This is one of the four chief herbs in this formula. That's a lot of chief herbs. So four chief herbs, and along with another chief ephedra herb of Huang Huang, which we're just about to discuss, disperses wind and releases the exterior by inducing sweating. 
And so let's talk about that next herb, which is mahong. So that's a, uh, a Fedra herba. And again, 15 grams in powder and 6 grams in uh, decoction. And again, it's in the warm anchored herbs that release the exterior. So it makes, it's all right in there. So currently, this is banned in the U.S. and many other countries as well. Most developed countries don't allow this herb. Besides releasing the exterior through perspiration, it is very useful for treating cough and wheezing by disseminating the lung chi. It's a really useful, powerful herb, so powerful that it is banned. There have been people that have died after taking this. I would say incorrectly they've taken it, but um, it, is, it is currently banned. In the case of this formula, you're going to see that, you know, one of the most common formulations is if there isn't a lot of cold, then you shouldn't have the, it's okay to take this herb out. So um, I think for the most part, we could probably use this formula without Ma Huang, though there are certainly cases where it would be very useful to have, but again, not, not legal in, uh, in, in most developed countries at this point. So. Our next herb uh, is Ray Radix at Rhizoma or Da Huang. We were mentioning that as one of the purgatives. It, again, 15 grams in powder, 6 grams in decoction. And it is in the category of downward draining herb uh, purgative is, the, is the, uh, the downward draining herb and then purgative herb. That's the category. It's in subcategory. <coughs> uh, in in uh, this formula, Shide and their team say this should be wine washed. That's the, the, the term. So wine should be used in there and it adds something to it. We'll see what it adds in just a minute. Um, and is one of the chiefs along with Natriai, Sulfus, Mang, Xiao, and, and is a powerful combination to expel heat through the stool. That is, Mang, Xiao, and Da Huang is a very traditional, strong purgative combination, and that's used in this formula as well. Traditionally, this herb has the following functions. It drains heat and purges accumulations, drains fire, clears heat, transforms dampness and promotes urination, drains heat from the blood, invigorates the blood and dispels blood stasis, and clears heat and reduces fire toxicity. So that wine that we're talking about strengthens its effect on the circulation while mitigating its purgative properties. And this is important because too strong of a purgative will cause the exterior disorder to penetrate more deeply into the body, like draw in it, draw it in from the exterior. So it's sort of this balance. We want to purge, but we don't want to purge too much. And that's where the wine comes into play here. And then we have Natriai Sulfus, Manchiai, said this is uh, Epsom salt. Uh, 15 grams in, in, six, uh, in powder, 6 grams in decoction. Again, most of these herbs are going to fall into that category. Downward draining herb purgative, so same category as Da Huang. And Chide says, and their team say this is the fourth chief herb, and it expels heat through the stool. Traditionally, this herb purges accumulation and guides out stagnation, clears heat and drains fire, and clears heat and reduces swelling. Our next two herbs are, uh, we're going to find out that they're, they're both deputies. Uh, we have Schizinepidae herba or Jingjie, and again, 15 grams. Though Chen Chen say um, 7.5 to 15 grams, so not necessarily 15 grams in powder, but 7.5 to 15 grams in powder, and 3 to 6 grams in decoction. So there may be a, a, a case for a lower dose of this in general. And they attributed, um, we see this on a couple of the herbs, they attributed to different sources. So you know, one source would say, 15 grams and a different source would say 7.5 grams. So it's just different sources and they threw it in there. Uh, this herb, uh, Jingjie, is also a warm acrid herb that releases the exterior and traditionally advents rashes, alleviates itching, and relieves muscle spasms. We have, as another deputy, we have Menthe Hablocalesis herba or Boha field mint. And again, 15 grams in, in powder, 6 grams in decoction. And this is a cool, rather than warm, this is a cool acrid herb that releases the exterior. Traditionally, it clears and benefits the head, eyes, and throat, vents rashes, and courses the liver, and makes chi. <coughs> so both of these, Schizinepidae herba jingjie and Methahaplocalysis herba boha, are deputies in this formula, and they assist Huang Feng and Ma Huang in releasing the exterior. So they're, they're good at releasing the exterior. What's nice about it is with boha, that is one of the more cooling of those of the herbs that release the exterior. So 
we're starting to get a little bit of balance in here. Um, we see this in this, we're gonna see this a couple times in this formula where we're gonna put together opposites. So some cooling and some heating, some upward and some downward herbs. That is actually a very traditional approach to formula uh, uh, writing and, and putting together formulas because it allows the body to kind of regulate a little bit of what it needs to do. So it's not, I'd like to say formulas can be very pushy in their actions. And by combining opposites, you're, you're making it less pushy and more regulatory, less potentially harmful. So I like this. This is still fairly pushy herbal formula, but it has some balance to it. So it's not overly pushy. So uh, that's, that's my phrasing, pushy formulas. So, all right, our next herb here is Gardenia fructus or Jerza, uh, which again is uh, 15 grams powder, though transmits to 7.5 to 15 grams of powder and three to six grams in decoction. And this is from a formula, uh, from uh, the, a, again, a cooling herb, herbs that drain fire. So we have some he heating herbs, and especially in those warm uh, release exteriors, but a lot of the internal stuff is going to be cooling. So this is herbs that drain fire. So this is quite a cooling herb. We use it a lot for cooling. Traditional actions include drains heat and eliminates irritability, clears heat and resolves dampness, cools the blood and resolves toxicity, and reduces swelling and moves blood stasis due to trauma. Now this is combined with another deputy, quashure or talcum. This is our talcum powder. <coughs> Excuse me. It's and this is a big exception, 90 grams. So rather than 15 grams in the powder, this one's 90 grams um, when powdered, 20 grams when decocted. And this is interesting. It's an herb that drains dampness. So it kind of, we've talked that there might be some dampness in here, uh, especially with nasal discharge, things along those lines. We haven't really done a lot about it. So here's an herb that does it. Tradi but it also, and this is the other thing, is it traditionally clears heat. So this is a, a heat clearing herb, even as if it's in the drain dampness category, and facilitates the resolution of dampness, clears summer heat, which is a specific kind of heat that will happen during Indian summer, um, and facilitates the resolution of dampness and absorbs dampness. Uh, so there you go. So as deputies, both Gardenia fructus jerza and talcum washer drain heat through the urine, so it's draining it downward. Um, so that goes kind of along the lines of we're purging stool downward. Now we're also draining heat through the urine. We're purging heat downward through the urine. So a lot of downward purging and draining going on here. <coughs> Continuing our discussion uh, of, our, of our ingredients, uh, because heat has settled primarily in the lungs and stomach, the next four herbs are deputies added to clear heat from these organs. So that's what these next four are. We have gypsum, fibrosum, shergal, um, 30 grams in powder and 12 grams in decoction. So again, this is, these are minerals generally. We, we have higher doses of minerals uh, in general in our formula, so it makes sense that these are a little bit higher than some of the others. <coughs> this is also an herb that drains fire. So this is a cooling herb, as we just said. It's going to be uh, draining heat that is settled in lungs and stomach. Traditional actions for shergal include clears heat and drains fire clears heat from excess from the lungs, and clears blazing stomach fire. Our next herb is Forsythia fructus, or again, chow, uh, which is uh, our traditional 15 grams in powder, 6 grams in decoction. And this is an herb that clears heat and resolves toxicity. It's very, very commonly used herb, especially in exterior attacks. Uh, and can be used for other things. Traditionally, it's, or it's, it's used to clear heat and resolves toxicity, reduces abscesses, and dissipates clumps. But it does affect the lungs quite a bit, so that's why it's gonna be used here as well. So uh, a question that I have, this formula would be hard to, to digest with the washer and the shergao, um, uh, right? And, and the answer to that is, there are some harsh things in this formula, but there are some, those purgatives that we have as well. So um, it's, it's it, it's not the easiest formula. Again, this is for acute conditions. It's not something that we're going to be taking long-term. And if we did, it would be a very harsh formula long-term. But I think since we're using it for an acute condition, relatively short-term, and there are those purgative herbs, I think we're going to be okay for the most part with digestion. But remember, all of this is in a patient with excess conditions. The, the exterior is in, a, in excess. The interior is in excess. And so there tend to be stronger 
um, than the average person when they're in these conditions. And so, um, yes, this is going to be a little bit hard to digest, but they should have the excesses to be able to do it at least for a short period of time. So that would be sort of my answer to that question. It's a great question, though. Yeah. All right, so we've talked to two of those four herbs that are to drain heat from lungs to stomach. We have chergao and lian chow. The next two are scutellaria radix or huang qin. This is in a slightly higher dose, 30 grams uh, in powder, 12 grams in decoction. And these are in the category of herbs that clear heat and dry dampness. Uh, it's a very good herb for that. <coughs> and what it does traditionally is clear heat and dries dampness, clears heat and resolves toxicity, especially in the upper burner, which means the lungs. Uh, lungs and heart are used in the upper burner. In this case, we're really talking about the lungs. Clears heat and stops bleeding. Clears heat and calms the fetus and sedates ascendant liver yang. So if the liver um, heat is rising, liver yang is rising, this can sedate it and cause it to go down a little bit. Again, that's a little technical on the Chinese medical side of things. And the fourth deputy that we're talking about, and this one is absolutely a lung herb, is platycody radix or jigong. Again, 30 grams in powder and 12 grams in decoction, so a slightly larger dosing of this. And this is a warm herb that transforms cold phlegm. So it, open up, it opens up, traditionally it opens up and disseminates the lung chi, dispels phlegm and benefits the throat, pushes out pus, and opens up and raises the lung chi while also directing the actions of other herbs to the upper regions of the body. So this is a very interesting herb that we use a lot whenever we want to direct something to the lungs. This is a, a very good directional uh, herb for the lungs. So this is really saying, hey, we, it's not just the stomach, the lungs, that which which are, the, the lungs are in charge of the exterior. So we do need to do something with the lungs if we're going to help release the exterior here as well. And uh, a note here, the ascending nature of jagong, so that goes up, complements the descending nature of the purgatives in their separate actions of expelling heat. So they both expel heat, but one kind of goes up to do it, and one kind of goes down to do it. And that's that opposite that I was talking about. And it helps to actually regulate the action so it's not super pushy. So it's a great balance to those very strongly descending purgatives that we talked about earlier, Da Huang and Mang Xia. And then finally, we have, we're, we're starting to get to the end here, <coughs> we have the assistants. We have three assistants here, which harmonize the blood, which helps disperse wind. If the blood is reckless, wind can become reckless. So we want to harmonize the blood. And so um, one of those herbs is Chuangshang rhizoma, which in Chinese is Chuangxiang. Uh, 15 grams in powder, 6 grams of decoction. And this is an herb that invigorates the blood. So um, very good. It's a very important herb. It's a very important blood herb, but it's in here to kind of protect things because, you know, with a lot of heat dispersal, with a lot of wind dispersal, the blood can be affected. So this is more of a, product, a protection thing. All of these are the harmonize the blood um, to help disperse wind. Uh, we have Angelica sinensis radix or Dongwei, one of the most popular Chinese herbs out there. Uh, again, 15 grams in powder, 6 grams in decoction. All of these are 15 grams in powder, 6 grams in decoction. Uh, and it's an herb that tonifies the blood. So the Chuanshang invigorates the blood and moves it around, circulates it. And uh, Dongwei will tonify the blood as well. And it's an interesting herb because what it does is it tonifies the blood, but it tonifies the blood by tonifying the chi of the blood. So there's a little bit of chi aspects to that as well. So very good. And then finally, we have Peony radix alba or Bai Xiao, another super common uh, blood herb. Uh, and it is in, in the same category of herb herbs that tonify blood. So very, very useful. These three are kind of there to protect the blood and kind of help um, uh, let the blood kind of settle the wind a little bit. So important assistance. Again, the hierarchy, we've talked about chief herbs, we've talked about deputy herbs. Now we're talking about assistant herbs, and that's the hierarchy. Chief herbs are the most important. Deputy herbs help support the chief herbs. Assistant herbs are going to do these aspects that aren't necessarily part of the of the the big picture but can help support what's happening make sure nothing bad goes wrong uh, so these are the, uh, three assistants that are doing that uh, and finally we are going to be talking about uh, a couple more assistants here i think this is the last one nope there's envoys after this which is the lowest portion of the of hierarchy of the formula so two more assistants 
Uh, it says here, because wind dispersing and heat clearing ingredients can injure the spleen, a tractor lettuce macrocephaly rhizoma or baiju, a good strong spleen tonic, uh, again, 15 grams, though Chen Chen says 7.5 to 15 grams in powder and 3 to 6 grams in decoction. Um, it, and this is an herb that tonifies the chi and is another assistance added to strengthen this organ. So this is another assistance, again, to protect, not necessarily to help facilitate, but to kind of protect, make sure nothing goes wrong with what the formula is trying to do. And then finally, we have um, two envoys here. We have Glycerucerae radix. And you know, I mentioned earlier that Boha was in this formula, and I was wrong. I'm, I apologize about that. I love Boha, so I kind of want to put it in everything. So, oh no, we did talk about Boha. Boha's in here. I'm, my mind's going. I'm sorry about that. Ah, it's one of those days. It's raining heavily here in San Diego. And we're having that big storm as I'm recording this. So my brain may be a little stormy. It's because we reflect the environment. So there we go. All right, so two envoys in this formula. This is the last. Of the ingredients, we have glycerocerae radix or don sao, uh, which is very common. It is the most common Chinese herb, I think, in formulas. Uh, and uh, here we want 60 grams in powder and 10 grams in, in decoction. That is a very high dose of don sao, a very interestingly high dose. And it is an herb that tonifies the chi, but it also harmonizes other ingredients, which is why it's so used in a lot of these formulas. Same with our, our other envoy, uh, also harmonizes as well. So in this case, what they say Gansau does is indirectly protects the spleen by harmonizing the actions of the other ingredients. In concert with Platycote radix or Jigong, it also improves the functioning of the throat to alleviate difficulty in swallowing. So that's Gansau, very, very important herb in general. And then we have our other envoy, which is Zingiberis rhizoma recens or Xinjiang. This is fresh ginger. And you're supposed to use three slices, whether it's powdered or or uh, or um, decocted, and it is fresh. We, if if you're into Chinese medicine, you know that fresh ginger is very different than dried ginger. So we do not substitute dried ginger for this. It is in the category of warm acrid herbs that release the exterior, which you know a lot of our chief ingredients are and are important herbs in this formula are. But in this case, it's also it's also one of the along with gansao and along with Chinese dates or dadzao, those are, we, we always used to call them the three amigos, um, but those are commonly added to help harmonize formula uh, herbs in the formula. And we have a lot of, as we discussed, we have a lot of harsh herbs here. So these, these harmonizing herbs are really important, but they're not really part of what the formula is doing. It's just to kind of harmonize, make sure the formula is just a little bit easier to deal with. And so that's what this role does. Uh, and basically, uh, what what uh, what Scheid and his team says is it strengthens the stomach to prevent the ingredients from causing stomach upset. So going back to the question is this is a hard to digest formula, and so we're adding in some of these herbs to help with that digestion to prevent stomach upset. So yeah, and a good formula will do that. It'll kind of take into account all these aspects. So it's really nice. All right, so that's all of the herbs. There was, like I said, there was a lot of herbs. Now, how do we take this formula? What's the preparation for it? So according to Scheid and his team, grind into a powder and take six to nine grams as a draft. Um, so a draft is basically, um, we, we discuss in using formulas are a thing, but if I remember correctly, it's just put it in hot water and drink it down as opposed to boiling it as a decoction. So um, grind into powder, take six to nine grams as a draft with three pieces of uh, Shenjiang or Zingiberis rhizoma recens, the fresh ginger. So that's actually not part of the powder. It's added in, you know, into the draft. It may also be prepared, be prepared as a decoction with a proportionate reduction of dosage, which I, I've been giving the dosages for decoctions as well. And decoction, of course, is where you put all the herbs together, boil them up, uh, drain them, and then drink what's left. And it can be a little bit more complicated than that, but that's the basic of what a decoction is. Chen Chen say the source text instructs to grind the ingredients into powder and cook six grams of the powder with three slices of Xinjiang, that fresh ginger, in one large bowl of water until the liquid is reduced to 60%. So sort of a modified draft decoction thing happening there. And then it says take the strained decoction while warm. Uh, today this formula may also be prepared as pills. For pills, grind all the ingredients except Hua Shi is the talcum into a fine powder and sift evenly. 
Mix the powder with water to form into pills. That's a typical way to make a pill is you add a little water and you roll them into pills. Coat the pills with finely powdered quasher, that talcum, and polish and dry the pills. So there are machines that will polish these things. I think that's a little bit more than we're going to do in a typical practice. And then take six grams of pills twice daily. That's the idea there. Uh, alternatively, this formula may be prepared as a decoction using the doses suggested in brackets above, which I've been given to you all along. And it says here, sung by our bulbous alley fistulosi. That is actually scallion. White sc is is the white is is uh, green onions. Uh, may be added to enhance the exterior releasing effect of the formula, and that is in the warm, uh, you know, warm acrid herbs to release the exterior category. It's not considered one of the stronger herbs. I, I, I would kind of take this with a, a little bit of a, of a um, grain of salt, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, if you can add green onion, something probably tastes better, so might as well do it. So there you go. So lots of commentary on this. Uh, according to Scheid and his team, this formula, which some physicians regard as a variation of cool the diaphragm powder, or Liangasan, is used for excess heat in both the exterior and interior. It is representative of the strategy of double releasing, or J, that is releasing the exterior while clearing, draining, or purging heat from the interior, which was devised by Lian Wang Su, one of the great masters of the Qinyuan period. So um, this is a whole, actually, this is fantastic. It's a reminder of me. These are I'm definitely some of the great physicians in the world. So I will be talking about some of these great masters of the Jinyuan period. It's a period of reform in Chinese medicine, and there's four great masters that really have their own school of thought in Chinese medicine. And Lian Wang Su is definitely one of those, very, very famous. So, um, yeah, excellent. This is devised by him. So Leo uh, argued that all six pathogenic qi can transform into fire, and that special attention should therefore be paid to eliminating it from the body. These ideas later became focal points for the development of warm pathogen therapeutic during the Ming and Qing epochs. epochs. Liu Wansu thus opened the way for an important transformation in Chinese medicine, as he himself noted. The double-releasing strategy that I have constructed in the acrid, cold, sagely unblocking formula does not follow the model of Zhang Shang Jing, who is the, again, another great choice for the great doctors. He's the one who actually uh, uh, wrote on cold damage and um, is foundational, his first formula book in existence, you know, that still exists. Super, super, super important. So um, he's saying this formula does not follow the model of Zhang Zhang Jing with reliance on exterior release nerves like cinnamon and ramulus, guajur, that's our cinnamon twig, and ephedra herba mahuang. It is not that I'm showing off as it contains the correct principles. The use of acrid warm, that's his quote, um, the, going out of that quote, the use of acrid warm herbs, mahuang, huangfeng, and schizonipida herba jinjie to treat wind heat in the exterior, nevertheless distinguishes this formula from the treatment strategies developed later by physicians like Ye Tian Shi and Wu Ju Tang. Although their use is moderated by the inclusion of herbs that tonify the blood, in contemporary clinical practice, it would be foolish to ignore the subsequent developments in Chinese medicine that occurred during the centuries that followed. Thus, where aversion to wind is not very pronounced, some modern textbooks, such as formulas edited by Li Fei, suggests that Ma Huang be removed from the prescription. And of course, um, since it is banned in most countries, I would agree if we can uh, uh, remove Ma Huang, if we're going to use this formula, we should. Continuing with the commentary, from the perspective of the six warps, I've, I've been saying six stages, again, different translations. So from the perspective of the six warps of disease, this formula treats a disorder that simultaneously affects the greater Yang exterior, Yang brightness interior heat, and lesser yin, focal distension with the stifling sensation in the chest and diaphragm. <coughs> the source text recommends the formula for all wind heat disorders with constipation, dark rough urination, facial sores, and red sore eyes, since such conditions can progress to internally generated wind with stiff tongue or clenched jaw. Continuing the commentary, this the, the indications for this formula today are not limited to those discussed above, but may also include some types of carbuncles, skin rashes, 
manic behavior, intestinal wind, and heat rash. Many modern practitioners. <coughs> Many modern practitioners use the formula to treat obesity with exterior interior heat. Modern Japanese physicians also prescribe it for constitutional treatment of metabolic disorders in patients with a strong constitution, excess heat, and constipation. Some recommend that it be taken by these patients twice a year for one to two months in the spring and autumn as a kind of cleanser in order to prevent the accumulation of heat excess. That's an interesting use of this. So there are several modifications of this formula. Scheid has three modifications, Scheid and his team. Uh, for tastes without strong chills, remove ephedra, herba, or mahuang. You can do it. Let's do it. For cases without strong fever, remove gypsum, fibrosum, or shergal. Remember, we said that's very cold. So, again, if there's not that heat, strong fever, you don't need it. For cough and sputum, add panilia, rhizoma, preparatum, or jerbon shao, fried, uh, uh, fried in ginger juice, which is the traditional way that it comes. It's nothing special. Um, jerbon shao is prepared, and it's usually prepared by frying in ginger juice. So, generally, when we buy bon shao, we generally buy jerbon shao. Because that's for cough and sputum, and that is in the category of, of relieving coughing. So very useful for um, phlegm and cough. Chen and Chen have several more modifications. For common cold or influenza caused by wind cold, add Chiang Ho, or Rhizoma et Radix Notabtirgi. Uh, Chen Chen came out, and they, they put the parts before the Latin name of herbs, uh, though since then, it's in, in a lot of the, you know, um, before Scheid, uh, the, the precursor to Scheid, Scheid is like the second uh, version. First version did the same thing. So we kind of shifted from putting those parts, those plant parts in front of the Latin name and putting them in, into today modern. It's, it's probably more correct to put them after the name. So that's why if I'm, I'm saying rhizoma et radix notopterygy. Modern time, it should be notopterygy rhizoma et radix. But that's why there's the difference between these two. So uh, for common cold or influenza caused by wind heat, add Jinyin Hua or Flas Lanisterae Japonica and Tian Hua Fen Radix Trichosanthus. When there's excess heat, add Huang Leon Rhizoma Coptis and Huang Bo or Bai. Um, it's translated both ways. Cortex Philogendry Chinensis. With cough with excess phlegm, add Ban Sha Rhizoma Penelia. We just mentioned that. For dermatological disorders without abscesses and ulceration, combine with Shigmong uh, Gugentong or Simisifuga and uh, Kudzu decoction. So that's another formula entirely. And finally, for dermatological disorders with abscesses, abscess and ulceration, combine with Hainang San or drain the pus powder. So another formula. Comparisons. There's really only one formula from Scheid to compare this to. And that is the aforementioned cool the diaphragm powder or ling san. So we already mentioned this formula as this being similar to. So both formulas treat the upper and middle burners and resolve the exterior while draining heat from the interior. Sepashnikovia powder that sagely unblocks Bang Feng Tang Shen San, a modification of cool the diaphragm powder or ling san, is stronger at discharging and dispersing wind from the exterior. To compensate for this dispersing action, it also includes herbs that tonify the qi and blood to protect it. Cool the diaphragm powder Lian Gasan focuses on venting heat from the cons from constraint in the exterior. It is not indicated for patterns with wind in the exterior. So that's comparison. So this is a stronger formula, is basically what they're saying. So some biomedical indications for this. This formula is used for several biomedical conditions according to both Scheid and Chen Chen. We've mentioned a lot of these already. These include the common cold, migraine, obesity, habitual constipation, hemorrhoids, facial boils, headache, acute mastitis, food poisoning, hyperlipidemia, hypertension. So hyperlipidemia is, uh, is cholesterol and triglycerides in the blood. Hypertension, of course, is raised blood pressure. Arteriosclerosis is coronary artery disease. Itching, acne, dermatitis, carbuncles, urticaria, or... or, um, or um, um, Oh, um, allergic uh, skin uh, wheels, basically. Uh, acute conjunctivitis, so that's uh, infection of the eye conjunctiva and influ influenza. 
the science behind this uh, has, uh, so Chenshin had several lab and rat experiments showing this formula uh, has an inhibitory effect on the heart, reducing the heart rate, contractile force and blood pressure, reduces cholesterol and triglycerides in rats and suppressed body weight gain and prevented the elevation of serum triglyceride levels, so this blood triglyceride levels, and body fat accumulation in female rats on a high fructose diet. They also discussed positive research in humans treating headaches, acute mastitis, obesity, hyperlipidemia with several modifications to the formula, itching, and acute conjunctivitis, again, with modifications to the formula. There was an interesting observational paper, recent, 2020, uh, describing using this formula with, an anti, with antiviral medicine to effectively treat COVID-19. To be honest with you, I don't, it wasn't really a study. It was more observational. It was like, hey, I've had success with this. Um, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Another article described this formula having effects including efficient scavenging effects of superoxide and peroxide radicals. Uh, so basically that means it's antioxidant, uh, as well as a strong anti-inflammatory and anti-diabetic potential. Therefore, the formulation can be considered as a valuable source of a natural antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and anti-diabetic, and anti-aging agent. So that was an interesting study. Just in general with the science, none of them are super strong. None of them are super great. They're not reviews, um, but they point in a direction. So um, often I won't include those in, in uh, my discussion, but I thought these were interesting ones, so I did. Drug-herb interactions. So many herbs in it have potential uh, interactions, both inducing and inhibiting specific cytochrome P450 isozymes. Um, we, we haven't really discussed that much, and at some point I'll do that in something or a little something different, but this is one of the main targets for drug-herb interaction research. So several of the herbs here interfere with that, including Da Huang, Dong Gui, um, which also inhibits P-glycoprotein and may potentiate warfarin, anticoagulant. <coughs> Again, P-glycoprotein is another target for drug-herb interaction research. Gan Sao. Um, there is one case, it is also have cytochrome P450 uh, issues. There's one case of congestive heart failure and hypokalemia or too little potassium in the blood. In a patient taking Gonsal, furosemide, um, Lasix, which is a, um, a loop diuretic, and digoxin, which is an antiarrhythmic. And it may increase blood pressure and fluid retention when used with oral contraceptives. Uh, Huang Qin had some P450 interactions, and Shen Jiang, or, or ginger, had some. I, I don't think they're super strong in ginger, but they had some as well. And the herb may also enhance anticoagulation of warfarin and other anticoagulants. Uh, so uh, that's probably more of a, of a concern, uh, more of a, a professional concern rather than an experimental one. And then finally, Mahuang, besides being banned in many countries, has many potential interactions as well. So I'm not listing just for time purposes. We've got to wrap this up. So concerns, we have the typical concerns of using Mahuang as it is banned in most uh, developed countries and has many interactions and considerations. Chen Chen, say Feng Feng Tang Chen San is contraindicated in patients of deficiency or pregnancy. This formula should be used with caution in a patient having a sensitive gastrointestinal system because it contains strong downward draining herbs. So it goes right back to that question we had earlier. So absolutely. All right. In summary, uh, that was today's formula, Feng Feng Tang Shen San, an interesting formula with some unusual usefulness for some modern conditions. We started by discussing Andreas Vesalius, one of the important doctors of the Renaissance period in Europe. And then we got into the formula, including its ingredients, commentary, the science, our concerns and cautions, as well as its potential drug interactions. All in all, another exploration of an interesting Chinese formula. In our next episode, in two weeks, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite herbs, yunyang huo, or epimedi. The origin of this herb gives the fifth grader in me giggles, and you're going to have to tune in to find out why. Despite that, this is a very interesting herb that seemingly does opposite things. And as always, we'll look at something a little different. Join us in two weeks for another interesting episode.
thank you so much for for joining us today if you like this podcast please do us a huge favor give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. i can't even thank you enough if you were to do that I'd just send us over the moon so thank you uh, and and please remember you can get your ceus and nccom so ceus continuing education and nccom national certification commissioner of acupuncture and medicine professional development activities at integrativemedicinecouncil.org that's council c-o-u-n c-i-l.org if you want that that special on our our, our um how to to um deal with drugs as a chinese medical practitioner uh add a slash mega deal to that and get that and you can always get in touch with me at dr greg at spurbsherbs.com that's dr greg at s-p-e-r-b-s-h-e-r-b-s.com or our website www.spurbsherbs.com thank you very much for hanging in there we went a little bit over time appreciate it and as always or bibliography the proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. Timothy Dobbins. Roger Campbell.